Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the WTF1 podcast, post-Dutch GP edition. Thanks for watching, Max1. Goodbye. Lovely. The end. Simply lovely. Yeah, I know, right? Tommy's actually taken off his Max cape for once, which is, um, well, you know, probably put it in the wash. I've only worn it three times. Only three times? No. In the Sanvo, last week. Sanvo and Abu Dhabi. Wow, so it's got the uh, the special magic dust on it yeah. uh, that helps you on your way to a um, second Max Verstappen world title. But welcome everybody, welcome to Team WTF1 who are who are watching live. So thanks so much for for those Tommy and Katie in sync doing another wave, especially for them. Uh, this podcast is also once again sponsored by Elgato, our season long partners, making us almost professionals. Ah, so it's, it's up for debate, isn't it? Really, uh, but with all this amazing <laughs> equipment. Um, it's a big shout out to them. Uh, without them, we would definitely sound and look a lot worse. Um, and also, we're going to shout out someone who gave us a five-star review last time out. And this one is from Angusio. Sorry in advance for that butchering of your name from Australia. Hey, guys, love the podcasts from Australia and always listen to the podcast on my way to work. I feel your pain, Matt, being a deep Ferrari fan, even though SD Bestie is my supported <laughs> driver. Please keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Angusio. Again, we'll sorry if I got that wrong. But um, thanks for the love and thanks for listening to us on your way to work. Hopefully you're on your way to work as you listen to this one. So have a great day at work. Right. Anyway, three word race reviews. Fun fans. I am Z Kayomi. Mercedes were Ferrari. Ethan Maskey, only three tyres. And Sullivan Shack, Max can't lose. Sounds like... Uh, Trying to really break the the trend here. I like that with a bit of jinxing, but um, yeah, good three word race review. Yeah, Mercedes for for once were the ones being spoken about for strategy, which felt like the first time this year that Ferrari weren't the ones under fire. Um, but overall, they did it for different reasons. They still tried, still tried to get the headlines. They tried, um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, well, we'll of course dive into that. But let's get my three word race review out the way it's not about ferrari for a change probably my first three word race review that isn't about ferrari uh, and it is no conspiracy theory yes we're popping off straight away all you tinfoil hats in the comments let's talk about the yuki sonoda incident and what on earth went on with him let's just let's just put it out there okay why oh why oh why oh why would red bull get on the blower <laughs> to their second team, 93 points clear in the championship to their own driver, Sergio Perez, 98 to Leclerc at the time, and go, Yuki, it's time. <laughs> this Max Verstappen is under fire. He's dominating this Grand Prix. He's going to win no matter what strategy he goes on, really. Let's be honest here. He was probably going to beat, even without the VSC, uh, the two Mercedes on fresh tyres. Why on earth would they... Try, potentially get kicked out of the championship over something like this. What I said it in a tweet, one small, the smallest little crumb of evidence and they're finished, <laughs> washed in the bin. I am celebrating a Leclerc championship, but they wouldn't do that. It makes no sense. Oh, but it's Max's home race. But why? There's still, there's no need. There was no need. And also if they're going to do it, why would they make it so sus? Why didn't Yuki just stop out on track the first time and just stop there? Why would he then start the car again 
oh, that was a bit, that wasn't a great place to stop. Let's try again. Go in the pits. Let's right. Stop there. Some people were saying I saw on social media. Obviously, these are the minority, but I found it hilarious that 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 his pit crew were talking to him in the car, going, <laughs> "I think you should um you should stop at turn it's five. Ninety eight points, Yuki. We've got to yeah. we've got to do yeah. this. Do it for the team. You know all the what what are people just thinking? Anyway, there you go. Yeah. Um, Comes up F on Twitter, really. What yeah. people are thinking? My favorite one is Hannah Schmitz, where someone screenshotted her smiling, going, "Haha, they're not even hiding it." It's like she's probably <laughs> just happy that no, she's Max managed to work. Max is winning, and they've worked around a strategy. The funny thing is, yes, the safety guard did uh, help Max to a point, but Christian Horner made a good point, and if you actually look into the strategy part of Max's whole weekend was he was saving all those soft tires, wasn't he? And the plan was he was just going to extend his stint, go to the soft tires at the end, and then he'd have just breezed past Hamilton, which we saw happen anyway later in the race. So he got essentially a preview of that. That was exactly what was going to happen. So he was going to win regardless. Um, And all it did was force them onto the hard tire and actually make the race a little bit more difficult uh, for them. So you're right. Why, why now? It's absolutely maddening to me. And the, the problem is the annoying, the thing that's so annoying is that the screw up of Abu Dhabi is just going to linger over people forever. And now anytime Verstappen gets any kind of good fortune or Mercedes gets screwed, they'll just play the narrative of a conspiracy theory when you're right. Why now? Last year, they were locked in a championship battle where every single point mattered and Alpha Tauri did nothing suspicious at all. That's when, sure enough, say that happened last year with three races to go, Verstappen needs a title, then you might be a little bit like, hmm, okay. Or it was Sonoda that binned it where Latifi did in Abu Dhabi with four laps to go. Yeah, things like that. And the Latifi one's a perfect example, right? That things happen. Sebastian Vettel blocked Hamilton. He's got nothing to do with that team or like why why would you want to hinder hamilton well yeah why would you want to why would you want to hinder hamilton then bottas um could have helped mercedes get back into race why why would he do that people just have accidents and mistakes happen and this is just a perfect example of when someone starts dominating people will look for anything that's just like oh they were so lucky and this must be the case of why it's happening it's just absolutely ridiculous really what why alpha Tauri would risk and red bull like their whole integrity um it's maddening and the the thing that scares me is that it even seems to be people that should know better like jump in this twitter echo chamber and go yeah yeah this is definite and just don't look at the facts and there's this yuki radio message going around that they think somehow proves anything even though all it's telling him is to go back out on track and stop it in a safe place because you don't want to, you know, block the pit lane or they're, they're trying to see if the car's working and then stops. It's just, it makes well, that's no what they sense. Do, right. They, they cut these people cut what they the context, think can yeah. like support their storyline. Mm. They'll cut a nine second bit clip and be like, well, we was told to go out and stop out on track when the reality was he was going out again Yuki was saying, "Ah, oh, I've got a problem," and he can't stop in the pit exit at the at the point of which he was communicating. He was going down the pits and leaving the pits. Some people are, like, "Oh, why didn't he stop to the right of the pits?" But 
sometimes those team radio messages aren't exactly aligned with when it's said. There's always going to be some kind of delay. So at that point, he's coming out the pit exit. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Stop on the pit exit. That's even worse. That would that stop. The, that would close the entire pit lane. My dad always says to me, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. And I think that's also very true of what's going on. I think it's unfortunate or fortunate timing, however you look at it, but that's also racing. And we've seen it happen countless times before. Look at Imola 2020 with Lewis Hamilton. It was a virtual safety car that benefited him so well and people then were kicking off about it. So like like you say, why would a team risk disqualification when Max is now 100, uh, 100 points clear of the championship like it just makes no sense I feel bad for Yuki because he's getting all of this abuse over an issue that he clearly felt in the car like I'm a bit confused as to why Alpha Tauri were like no Yuki you're making it up like there's not a problem like if a driver issues or like warns that there's an issue with the car then surely the team should listen to them and respect that rather than being like no Yuki our data says it's absolutely fine so you must be lying so just come back to the pits and we'll fix it so the whole thing is really odd. And with the fact that we didn't really hear from maybe Yuki directly after the race, and there was still a bit of uncertainty about why he had this whole double stoppage. Um, you know, I can see why people started to feel a bit suspicious about it. But once, you know, you get the facts, you realize it's just poor timing. And yes, it benefited Max. Um, but that's the way racing goes sometimes. Yeah, in all fairness, it was a weird situation. I won't deny that. Like, yeah. it was odd. I remember watching it live and going, why on earth has he come in the pits now, gone out again, and then stopped the car? But when you actually look at and listen to the entire team radio feed, there was a lot of confusion. Alpha Tauri have obviously gone, no, there isn't a problem with the tyres, because Yuki was going, this was, well, this is the question from Morpholo Meg. What on earth happened with Yuki? That's my main question. So let's run you through the event. So he puts on a fresh set of hard tyres, and he's like, ah, yeah, here we go. Goes out. I think he said in a quote that he first thought the problem with the car was just the fact that it was hard tires, low grip, low temperature and stuff like that. Um, then, because it was a rear diff problem that he had, but that felt very similar to ha- to him as a tire not being fitted properly. So he was convinced the tire was not fitted properly. He then came to a halt because the, the team were like, well, if the tire's not fitted properly, then stop. So then they stopped. Then they've looked at the data and gone, well, actually... There's nothing wrong with the tyres. So maybe you can come back to the pits. So then he starts again after loosening his seat belts, which I think in in a, you could argue he could have just retired there and then at that point, like just get out of the car. And uh, like, I don't know why they tried so hard to stay in the race after the amount of time they would have lost anyway. Um, but yeah, with the loosening of the seat belts, obviously he got a reprimand for, didn't he? Uh, for, um, for that, which I'm sure, uh, yeah, the FIA didn't look too fondly on. Um, then he crawls back to the pits, changes tyres. They fasten his seatbelts back up again. And obviously that's when they told him to go stop out on track to help Max. Uh, <laughs> sarcasm. And uh, then he rolls out the pits, then realises, no, it's not the tyres, but there is something still wrong. So then the team are like, right, okay, we'll stop on track because if there's something wrong with the diff or whatever, you never know what the car could do. And he doesn't, they didn't want the car to trundle round again because that's dangerous in itself, especially around Zandvoort. So they stopped on track. When you actually have all the events laid out to you, it makes sense as to why they did what they did. Still a weird situation, but not a conspiracy. No. Very much so, yeah. 
No, um, like Yuki said, it felt like he was drifting in the straights, which is why it didn't feel like it was normal. I fitted a new tire again and he confirmed the same thing was happening. Something was going on with that rear part and engineers confirmed there was an issue. That's why we stopped, um, which is what he said to media after the race. But yeah, with the seatbelt thing, he apparently loosened his belts, but didn't unlock them. So it wasn't like his seatbelts would be like flying around everywhere. It was just a case of like pulling them, I guess, a bit looser than they should have been. I'm sure people will inevitably compare that to Charlotte Clerk a few years ago when he took off his belts and he didn't get any kind of thing warning or whatever for it. But um, was that yeah, interesting at least... that he did that. The Clerk, no, no that Spanish Grand Prix. It was actually the race. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh wow, drove two laps. Yeah, but it was a great two laps. Well done. Well done. Yeah, <laughs> it's just showing that he, yeah, was quite <laughs> fearless. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I fully believe that he did because some people are like, oh, well, you know, maybe he did unlock them and he's just not telling anyone. Like, I think it's fair to say that if he had, I've, I don't know, I, I don't think he would have driven around in Zamvort with a broken car with the seatbelts off. Uh, if, um, and that just wouldn't make any insane. sense, would it? It'd be like riding a roller coaster without your belts on properly. Like, yeah. what sane person would do that? Mind you, most drivers yeah. are not he's really already, insane, are you already had some questionable moments in practice didn't he where he was blocking and you can see how dangerous the track is because a lot of blind corners so yeah not good but like you say no conspiracy however much you want to just listen to a nine second clip on twitter and make your mind up based on no factual evidence it's amazing how people can warp the truth on social media with certain you could change and... it for anything like bottas is a great example because let's be honest uh, the people that are going to believe it, um, and I'll and I'll I'll say I'll say this right now that um, I just I just want to be clear that it's a small mi- minority of fans. Like like we we're saying with the flares, that you don't say all Verstappen fans, you don't say all Hamilton fans think this conspiracy theory. But there's obviously a select few that think that this is a conspiracy and are obviously ranting and going crazy. Um, I wonder if they also believe that. You know, Valtteri Bottas. If there's anything suspicious, uh, like if you want to go suspicious, Valtteri Bottas plowing into both Red Bulls mm. at Hungary when Hamilton needed a win to get back in the championship, things like that. You could you could take every bit of evidence uh, ever. Um, there's so many examples in Formula One where you could just go, oh, conspiracy, and these things happen from time to time. Going online without ExpressVPN is like changing while leaving your window wide open. You might not have anything to hide, but why give random creeps a chance to invade your privacy? When you go online without a VPN, internet service providers, or ISPs for short, can see every single website you visit. They can then legally sell this information without your consent to ad companies and tech giants who then use your data to target you. So why should you use ExpressVPN? Well, you can browse more anonymously. When you use ExpressVPN, ISPs cannot see your online activity. Your identity is anonymized by a secure VPN server. Your data is also encrypted for maximum protection. It's also easy to use. You fire up the app and click one button. And furthermore, it works on all devices, phones, laptops, even routers. So everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected. I love the fact that you can just protect everything about you when going online knowing that no other company can access that data. 
Secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash WTF1 today. That's expressvpn.com slash WTF1 and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash WTF1. Right, next question. Ben Herriot 3. Honest question with no regard for anything that happened today. Do you think sister teams have a place in top flight racing? In many other sports, it would just be considered a conflict of interest and blocked. Um. No. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't. I, I mean, spot. Yeah, it's, it's kind of. I mean, I, I, unless it actually affects the racing, which obviously a minority believe it did affect the racing uh, this time out uh, in Zamfort, but unless there was literally you know them ganging up on other teams, then I, there's not really much of an issue of them being there. But also, I think it's nice to have a slot for a, a different team to, to come in, especially with how Formula One is is such a a highly competitive sport in terms of 20 drivers, 10 teams. There's not a lot of uh, variety there. So I'm not saying get rid of Alpha Tari by any stretch because they've been part of Formula One for many, many, many years. Um, but at the same time, you have the likes of Andretti trying to get in, but there's no space at the inn and, and stuff like that. So it, I'm a bit on the fence with that one. I don't feel particularly strongly either way. The fact the fact is that Alpha Tari have existed. Uh, obviously, they were Toros at the time, but since 2006... And if this if if this has had been happening every four or five races, imagine so Sebastian Vettel when he came out of the pits, that was ridiculous, wasn't it? It almost looked like he was holding him up on purpose. It was obviously just a miscommunication, but it looked really bad. If if that was an Alpha Tauri and they were doing that every four or five races, then yes, there needs to be some kind of investigation where you're like, you can't. This is not fair. Um, and I'm sure there are things in place that Alpha Tauri have been told you have to run your Formula One team for yourself. Mm. It's not because Alpha Tauri could have just, you know, they could have just got Yuki Tsunoda to yeet it over the uh, first corner and just plow into the side of Hamilton at Abu Dhabi and take him out. And then they just go, oh, well, it's not the Red Bull team. So it's fine. Like, it's not going to, they've never done anything like that. The only, the only thing Alpha Tauri have ever done that you could say is a little bit suspect is um, maybe just made it a little easier when they're being um, uh, the rare chance that a Red Bull's behind them. Maybe they give them a little bit more of a wide berth or make it easy. But there's always been a conflict of interest across the grid. Look at Esteban Ocon when he was in Force India. Toto Wolff was his manager. He'd jump out of the way the second a Mercedes was behind him because he knows he wouldn't want to annoy his manager uh Sauber's a great example back in the day when they had Ferrari engines and wouldn't even challenge sometimes you know there's a famous example of uh one of the Saubers literally blocking um Jack Villeneuve's Williams to hold him up for Michael Schumacher and then admitted that he'd, he'd done it because he'd been told by Ferrari it's there's always a conflict of interest between teams drivers uh you'll have drivers in academies that are want, wanting to do a a good impression so no that it's not a conflict it it's not a conflict of interest if they're behaving themselves and clearly alpha tari have been behaving themselves because why why would they not like it goes back to why now with a 98 point lead why weren't they doing it last year if anything there was that race where yuki snowder screwed both red bulls was it mexico in and Helmut Marko had a big go at him and he went off in qualifying and he ended up screwing Max's oh, qualifying yeah. lap. Yeah. You know, oh, was Yuki Sonoda helping Hamilton? Uh, no, 
it's just things happen in Formula One and then you can make up whatever narrative you want, even if it's not true. Now you took the words right out of my mouth there with that because I've got, yeah, how far does it go in my notes? Yeah, what about drivers who are a part of academies or have certain power units in the back of their car? Like say Antonio Giovinazzi gets that half seat next year. He's very much a part of that Ferrari driver roster that they've got and he'll have a Ferrari PU in the back of his car. What happens if he stops at the side of the track like in a Yuki Sonoda situation and that benefits Leclerc to take a pit stop? Like how far does it go? I completely see the the conflict of interest with the sister teams and I would like it if we had just 10 independent teams on the grid but that's never going to happen I mean Mercedes are helping Williams out a bit more or like going back to Haas you know they're getting um, a base Marinello like there's so many threads being crossed in different teams that it would just kind of be impossible to have everyone independent like how far would it go would you everyone have to build their own PU like build their own parts, all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think uh, it's just an unfortunate series of events that um, meant that Max was able to benefit from Yuki stopping. Um, but like you say, it's these kind of questions that come about whenever somebody's really dominating. Um, and, yeah, unfortunately, that's just how racing goes sometimes. It's just how it is. How it is. Right, Katie, what's your three-word race review, please? Mine is Science's Sunday Shocker. And that's about the shocking Sunday Carlos Sainz had, funnily enough. Oh, wow. <laughs> no I way. know. Careful. Um, so, yeah, he really didn't have the best of days yesterday. A 12.7 second pit stop when they just forgot, forgot a tyre. You know, we just like thinking, what is there left to mess up? Oh, I know. They could just completely forget to bring a tyre out for Science. So they did that. Love the graphic. Well, I say love the graphic. Like, pains me but it is quite a funny graphic the like 12.7 seconds stop for um science and then check underneath with two seconds let's like bog together um but yeah like just a really tough day for him you know getting messed up by that pit stop and then having to fight back on a track that you can't really overtake on like the pace of the car isn't really there and then the unsafe release which carlos is pretty peed off about because he said that he was doing it to save a McLaren uh, mechanic's life uh, which you know what a dramatic angle that is but um, I guess he's still really annoyed that he got given this five second time penalty for um, basically not plowing over a McLaren mechanic but um, at the end of the day it was an unsafe so what was his argument there Katie exactly what for, for context like what he went he took a harsher angle to not hit a McLaren mechanic or yeah something like that he was very he just kind of dropped into conversation so casually he was like well you know I'm pretty frustrated because I basically had to um not kill someone so if FI are going to give me a penalty for that like just so casually dropped into conversation um let me find the quote for you because I've got it right here so yeah I was launching into the pit lane correctly the problem was I had to break to avoid taking a mechanic a McLaren mechanic out of his life or out of this life. Um, if wow. for taking avoiding action, they give you a penalty. I find it very frustrating. I'm going to speak with the FIA now because I don't understand the decision with Carlos's words, but uh, it doesn't look like it met, went too much because he still got the penalty, uh, which dropped him down to P8. And yeah, just I mean, when a... you actually look at the replay, it was still an unsafe release. Mm -hmm. was, yeah. it, was it not like <laughs> that? I mean, that pit lane <clears throat> in general, I think needs to be adjusted a bit because it's far too tight. Uh, it's it's, it's higher than Monaco, yeah. Just and just see the 
see the way the cars are coming out of the pit boxes and how they even can get into the pit boxes. Like it's, it's such a tight angle that it definitely needs adjusting because it's just asking for a, for an accident as you know, Carlos kind of uh, suggested there potentially running over another mechanic or, or whatever. So um, yeah, maybe they will fingers crossed, make some adjustments for next year. Well, it's difficult what they can do there because that straight is just an old school track um, mm. that's been there for maybe the, if they can extend turn one, but they've they've literally just rebuilt the circuit, so it's a difficult mm. one. Uh, it does Widen feel the pit lane. I don't know. Yeah, because even um, I mentioned this to you on the watch along that there was uh, when Mercedes come into the pit lane. Obviously, this was more just the fact that they wanted a bit more of an advantage because when you're first in the constructors title you get to choose where you are and mercedes obviously first in the box and you can straight line it a bit more where if you look at the other teams they have to go right round and it's a lot more tricky um but hamilton was actually moving a a speaker out the way just so he could straight line it a bit more because uh, the pit lane's so tight uh it's absolutely crazy so yeah Got i think the, the the pit lane is an odd one the the whole track really is very much uh there's no way we'd be racing here if it wasn't for the staff and popularity no, <laughs> yeah. no you know i love the circuit i think it's really cool of course i do but there's no two ways about it it's very much uh we need a dutch grand prix because Verstappen's like taking over like formula one's just gone huge over there and stuff so yeah uh watch that circuit miraculously disappear when Verstappen retires that's all I'm going yeah. to say. I think that will um, probably happen. Uh, question, Encani 2. How many times do you think Ferrari are going to mess up something? <laughs> Either with strategy or pit stops for the remainder of the season. Thanks, Encani. For what, what a great question. Thanks, Tommy, for including it in the sheet. Um, I mean, it's, how long is a piece of string, really? Uh, I think it seems every single race weekend there's something drastic that goes wrong i said that in internet special reactions and um yeah i stand by it it's uh you've obviously got the ferrari home race coming up in monza uh fully expecting that to go completely smoothly uh no no mess ups whatsoever um because well there's even more pressure on them to deliver to potentially win even though i'm not i don't believe they've got the pace now over red bull especially on tracks that rely on straight line speed um but I mean, they have to be on the podium. They, they, they can't have the only thing on the podium being Ferrari is the champagne brand on the on the on the podium. If that's the case, then Ouch. Ferrari. I mean, come on, you can't give the Tafosi all that hope at the start of the season and then not be on the podium at Monza. Uh, but yeah, it's it just it's still wrong. I mean, but I think didn't Bonotto say after the race, I'm less concerned about the pit stop, more concerned about our pace over the weekend. It just always seems like there's a lesser of two evils with him, where he's like, well, I know that. That is on fire, but I'm more concerned about this fire over here. That one can just burn for a little while. Like I, I don't know. How can you not be concerned about a tire literally not being there? Yeah, oh, you know, this, these things happen. Sometimes you get three tires. Sometimes you get four. Like it's just a, it's an easy mistake it's a to lottery. make. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, maybe sometimes you don't need four tires. Uh, but yeah, it does. It does pose the question: like, is Bonotto the right leader for Ferrari? I know that we say that they need consistent leadership but we've said time and time again this year that i think the way he has at least dealt with the media we don't know how he deals with it behind the scenes but if he's saying oh look nothing's wrong 
I fully believe that's probably the case there. And he's actually quite happy that Ferrari had built a really good car this year. They haven't maximized the results, but they've taken a step forward in general. And they'll be like, yeah, great 2022, everyone. Have a great off season. All right. We'll see you next year for some more blunders. I don't know if he's got that that cutting edge maybe that Ferrari need, especially in the decision-making, what we've said so many times with putting a number one driver forward in the team, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe it's a discussion we can have again uh, at the end of the year. With Benotto, like I will say, you know, he's done a good job of turning the team around from how, like, look at their disastrous 2020 that they had. Like that car was just garbage and at least they've produced a car which is competitive and so you know fair play he's obviously doing some things right so if you want to argue his case I'd say maybe that's a good reason for him to keep his job but yeah like his just such so casual about like all the mistakes they make and then you've got a complete other end of the spectrum of Toto Wolf like saying oh I'm sorry the car's such an s-box when they finish like third and get a podium result like it is quite an interesting like two very different styles of leadership I mean I was talking with my brother about this yesterday when we had like Maurizio for example that man was scary AF like you look at him the wrong way you're like I don't know how many days I've got left on this earth like it's he was a scary scary man and um maybe that's the kind of thing that Ferrari need but then you know, what did he, like, he obviously, Ferrari was still competitive when he was in charge, but it's kind of finding that balance of like, just a happy workplace where you have a a competitive car, but then one that doesn't seem to make many mistakes. I mean, like, I I literally can't think of what else Ferrari could do that would be (laughs) so catastrophic. Like yesterday, watching that pit stop, I think every F1 fan, whether you support Ferrari or you don't, were literally yelling at the TV like, what the hell are you doing? Like, how can you get something so wrong? And it's just like, you know, when Red Bull uh, got Ricardo to come in in Monaco 2016, like that was obviously such a huge error and he was leading the race and it was it was bad for many reasons. But like Red Bull making that mistake in their pit stop has haunted them all of this time. And that was one big mistake that they made Ferrari seemed to be making mistakes maybe not quite at that like standard but like every race now and it's kind of just brushed off as like oh another Ferrari mistake but like these should be things that are absolutely like crippling for Ferrari and their reputation and all this kind of stuff and it's kind of just like you know just like in our podcast it's what like the sixth seventh point of them forgetting to put a freaking bring a freaking tire out for a pit stop like it's just insane so I don't know it's a a tricky situation Ferrari have got themselves in maybe they do need to bring in like a Jean Todd I know he's ancient now and you know he won't be the same as he was back in the 90s but maybe they need somebody with that experience that's like got Ferrari blood in their DNA and can help with those calls and you know dealing with the consequences because at the moment Maurizio just seems like he's so casually like just about floating above water and I don't know how much the poor guy can take with people saying so another mistake this weekend you know um yeah it's a a bad time I really do feel so sorry for all the real hardcore Ferrari fans because it must be so frustrating to see that you had a car at the start of the season that was so competitive and now it's like you're on a slippery slope and there's no stopping you yeah, you, you mentioned Jean Tot. You know, the, the poor bloke's seventy six years old. If, yeah. if he if he went back into that role 
as a Ferrari team principal like he was previously. I Maybe think like it... an advisor role, though. We had like Nicky Lauda that went to Mercedes in an advisor role. Yeah, they, like... they need a they need a strong figure, don't they? The leadership figure. They, they need a yeah. leadership figure. Whether that's we said it before, whether that's Hamilton and Toto Wolf coming in or Verstappen and someone else. They they need it. Basically, they just need someone that really cheese them up makes them not seem so casual about everything that it they do need kind of someone a bit more brutal at the end of the day um because it is a competitive sport and the fact that you you do wonder as well if if you think of just like your job in general that not not saying that it could have been a genuine genuine mistake and we don't know what what it is but no other formula 1 team this year has done a pit stop where only three tires are ready and like you say we said it in the watch along it looked like someone just wasn't there or they'd gone for a toilet break or something <laughs> when your um when your kind of team boss is like oh it doesn't matter the, the cars look very good now is is that really the the approach? Whereas, like you say, that we just I feel like they they do need the reason they were so good with Schumacher is because they had John Todd, Ross Braun, Schumacher. They came in, they sorted out. They said it was pretty much a like we're going to sort this team out, and it was a winning mentality of just that's why they were so dominant because they just wanted to win every single race they they never took a day off uh michael schumacher i know you can't do this now but like doing thousands and thousands of days of testing they need someone there that's just gonna make them go yeah i i want to i want to win this championship and it just seems so casual about the fact that they just uh we've got we've got the best we had the best car for half the season but uh we haven't won but it doesn't matter is that like it's, it's Formula One? That's you don't want of, to yeah. win the world championship, and there's absolutely no way that Toto Wolf, Christian Horner would be allowing allowing that. Uh, even the even the drivers, yeah. even the drivers, if it's a Verstappen or a Hamilton, they would be demanding that things change, and they would make it happen. So, yeah, that was going to be my exact. Uh thing there Tommy was that no matter your opinion on Toto Wolf and Christian Horner they will die by their team they will stick up for them no matter what even if it's to the, if it's to the media and some people might go oh well why does it matter how they speak to the media well if you think there's a big team behind every Formula One team and it's demoralizing if your leader doesn't really stand up for what you know they're doing and you go the, the pace you know whatever like they always seem to deflect the problems that they make like Hungary for example they made that massive strategic blunder with Leclerc and yet Bonotto was like yeah well I'm more concerned about the pace though we didn't have the pace on any tyre and it just it's just such a a weak response in my opinion to to the whole thing going on that you need to take ownership of your mistakes and really process them and and, and move on and the fact that they've made so many mistakes over the year proves that they're not learning from there their, their problems and their mistakes otherwise they would have ironed them out by now 
Uh, you know, the fact that Mercedes made one strategic blunder and everyone's up in arms about it is because they never make these kind of mistakes. And, and that will obviously be something we speak about very shortly. In fact, do we have it? Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, yeah, that's pretty yeah. much it. Tommy, your three-word rest of you, please. And now, thank you. My three-word rest of you is few chances left. And yes, it's about Mercedes and the fact that, well, we've got seven races now. If we go back to maybe Canada, Silverstone, you can look back on the old podcasts and particularly you, Matt, were saying, you know, 100% Mercedes are getting a win this year because they're picking up points uh, that every race they're getting the maximum. So all they need is just that one slip up from one of the top teams uh, and they will get that win. And it really does feel like it's getting closer and closer to the end of the season and it's still not happened. And that track... Um, is probably one of their best uh, in terms of suiting the car. They obviously were not uh, qualifying. I don't know if if the Perez incident, they would have been higher. I don't think so. But the fact that Hamilton was stuck behind Science, if he'd have been there, uh, been able to get past Science, uh, you know, it might have been a what might have been because their race pace looks pretty good. And yeah, it's just... It's just strange that we're at this point of the season and it's still only, well, Red Bull and Ferrari that have won won a race and not Mercedes. And we're running out of time now. And Hamilton's got that record as well, hasn't he, of winning in every season. And it would be a shame to see that game. It really would. Um, I, yeah, I admit I would have thought they would have had a, a win by now uh, or at least taken a more consistent step forward. They have been quick around Hungary, uh, around Zandvoort, but that's a very specific characteristic type of track. You then look at Spa, they were well off the pace compared to uh, Red Bull in, in particular. Um, so then you look at the races that are, are left. You've, of course, got Italy, which no chance they're going to be quick around Monza, in my opinion. Uh, they're very draggy still, as we saw around Zandvoort. Um, Singapore, maybe. That's probably one of their only chances, I would say, left, because it's obviously more... Um, downforce and aerodynamic dependent. You've also got the Japanese Grand Prix, which is still kind of a power circuit in in some ways, uh, especially in that last sector. Um, the USGP, again, a bit too quick, I think, for them. Mexico, I think we've already always, always seen Red Bull very always good around there. Yeah. Um, Brazil, power, no. again. <laughs> power. And power. then Abu Dhabi, I mean, it's a mixture. So, so maybe that's the last throw of the dice. Singapore but, is the one, isn't it? Singapore seems to be their best chance, at least from the the running trend of what we've of what we've been seeing this year. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it does obviously it would make perfect sense for them to have sacked off this season anyway. They are still kind of challenging Ferrari for the constructors' second place. I think they're thirty points behind, yeah, 30 which points. is absolute insanity. How on earth? But then at the same time, it makes perfect sense because we've said all season long that Mercedes have been picking up and executing and maximising pretty much every single race weekend. Um, and it was almost no different for for this weekend. But yeah, a small, a small blunder, which, uh, which we'll get into. Um, but yeah, it's looking less and less likely that Mercedes will get a win unless we get a crazy Brazilian Grand Prix where rain hits and stuff like that. Let's not also uh, count out those kind of changeable condition stuff that we could see. No, totally like listening to Hamilton speak about where he thinks there could be chances yeah Singapore's one he did mention Cota which you never know um and yeah with Brazil in the wet like 
they're Lewis's kind of conditions that he really excels in. But then we've also seen Max Verstappen have a wonderful wet weather drive around into Lagos. So um, it remains to be like seen where they'll actually be able to do this. But yeah, I think I speak on behalf of all of us when I say I'd like to see Mercedes get a win this year. Obviously, if I had to pick one, I'd like maybe Hamilton to do it because I've massively respect him I respect the record that he's got and I think it would be a shame to see that come to an end but then also you know George Russell has been putting in some wonderful performances this year and it would be nice if that could be rewarded with a win so um yeah I, I really hope that Mercedes do get a chance to to get a win also just would be nice to change up a little bit have a different winner which seems absolutely insane saying that about Mercedes but <laughs> here we are 2022 is a, a wild year um but yeah I'm in agreement with you guys that there are only very few chances left. So we're going to have to hope for a crazy, maybe Singapore Grand Prix. But yeah, Red Bull are meant to be bringing quite a big upgrade there. So it's been nice while it lasted, guys. <laughs> Upgrades don't always mean performance, though. That's my Ferrari copium hitting right there. Um, <laughs> I've, I've just put a poll, actually, yeah, in t for the Team WTF1 people that are in the chat. Do you think Mercedes will win a race this year? Currently on 56% no. Lovely stuff. Uh, Team WTF1 member Joe Fitz 2003 uh, asks, could Mercedes have pitted Lewis for softs, even though it would have resulted in a P2 finish? His pace today was very good, and though I think Max would have still won the race, Mercedes would have got on a 2-3. Now, this one, I think, was a bit of a blunder uh, from Mercedes because, in my opinion, you either go one way or the other. You don't allow for George Russell to go on the soft tires and leave Hamilton completely vulnerable on mediums. Like it makes no sense personally. And I know, you know, people were forgetting George Russell asked for this very late notice coming into the pits. He went, my tires are shot. I want the softs. And then Mercedes are like, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. You, you pit, you pit sort of thing. So it was a very off the cuff uh, decision from them which made George Russell of course look great because he finished P2 in the end uh, and, and made Hamilton's strategy look stupid but if you have Russell as a buffer it gives you a little bit more of a chance I don't for a second think that Verstappen doesn't breeze past both of them and win the race I still think he wins um, and if anything I think Leclerc will probably go past them as well and, and finish P2 so then they would have finished third and fourth so I guess in the grand scheme of things what their plan A was was going to be worse than what actually happened um, but yeah, if they both pitted, I don't know how far George Russell was behind Hamilton at the time. Could they have double stacked in the safety car potentially? Um, but then, you know, if they had a bit of a slow stop with George Russell because of the double stack, maybe that put him at risk uh, of cars behind. I don't know the exact gaps, uh, so don't quote me on that. But yeah, it was either one way or another to try and win the race. And, you know, that Mercedes is draggy as well. So leaving Hamilton vulnerable to Verstappen at the restart it was always going to happen. You just saw the the pace difference uh, between Verstappen and Hamilton. Of course, Max with a bit of slipstream as well. And I don't know if you've seen the video online, but the, the way he beautifully timed going past Hamilton is just another reason why Max Verstappen is very much one of the best of this generation is because he, had, he was closing in just a little bit too fast on Hamilton uh, and he can't pass before the start-finish line. And... He just lifts ever so slightly. But because of the the massive amount of overspeed, it's fine. He can still get past Hamilton. But he just lifts. And there's probably, I think I saw in the Sky Analysis, like a front wing between Hamilton and Verstappen behind before they went over the, the line. Have you seen means... the picture? There's a, there's an yeah. actual picture of like top down oh, no, the line. That, no. Oh my word. It is so close. It is judged to, it is, it is the front wing, basically. Yeah. It's mad. 
and it's a, it's a beautiful judgment from him. People say, "Oh, it's lucky." No, he he knew what he was doing, and <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it was great from Max and Mercedes. Basically, sealed Lewis's fate by allowing George to pit. In my opinion, all these great dominant drivers are always just so lucky, aren't they? Um, <laughs> yeah, the I'm surprised actually that now I think back to it, why they didn't maybe be a little bit more cheeky and ruthless with George and essentially just drop back a little bit like they did and get see if they could get Hamilton on fresh tires um in the pit stop uh when they were all coming into the pits if they'd have basically said right George slow it down because they did that with Bottas in I want to say Saudi in one of the races I think where they were backing up uh, Verstappen they could have got Hamilton onto the soft tires and um, I think we would have seen more of a race of it. So I'm surprised they didn't do that, but yeah, it very much was a mistake to, uh, to leave Hamilton out on those tires and boy, was he fuming about it. Um, For a, a moment, perfect, then he a got perfect it, exactly. Yeah. It's, the, it's the perfect role reversal of um, when they were trying to spin it, when Alonso called Hamilton an idiot and said all this stuff on the radio and Hamilton was like, didn't you know you say what you like in the car and then you don't really mean it uh or and it's just heat at the moment because at the end of the day he's losing what he feels like he's losing a win or he's he's been screwed so of course he's gonna um be annoyed by it and yeah very annoyed sorry i was gonna say the comparison i was gonna make is quite funny compared to like yeah Hamilton trying to get his first win since last year and then I was like well you know think of like if you're playing full guys or Mario Kart and then you lose and it's like you get really angry but then you kind of take a step back and you're like it's, it's fine it's like you calm yourself down it's all Katie Furman compares winning a Formula <laughs> One race to full guys slash Mario Kart to be fair if you if you think how annoyed people get um at Losing a game of FIFA or the F1 yeah. game. Oh, imagine fair. that. Imagine that being your job, your livelihood, yeah. your success of your entire career on it. No wonder they get annoyed. And the adrenaline of driving a Formula One car at 200 miles an hour, the media pressure, everything. You can't imagine. Uh, and then, and then we're there going like, "Oh, I'm so annoyed that I've lost this game of Mario Kart." To be fair, yeah. we're not sports professionals, though, Tommy, are we? <laughs> Well, yeah, but like you see people on Twitch or just like generally, like if we have a discord and we're doing Mario Kart and stuff, like you get annoyed. It's like part of competition. Like I'm just making Matt's, that. Matt's famously Matt. never, never gets annoyed. At- I've never <laughs> no, been angry he's so again, cool. No. Never. So I completely- I'll be straight on the blower. Why have you done? <laughs> to be fair, especially yeah. when you have a line of communication to the people you believe has screwed you I've over. Screwed you well. over. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. literally get to speak to the people. So. Yeah, but he he to be fair, he did apologise and 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 said that it was heat at the moment. He doesn't even remember what he said uh, in that particular uh, moment in the race. So um, fair play, uh, Lewis. You know, put his hands up and said that it it wasn't the way to to have acted. Um, next question, Jay Dennis, nineteen ninety five. Now that he's fourth and incredibly consistent, is Russell a serious contender for top three in the championship? Um. I don't actually know how far behind he is. Let's have a look and see. Standings. Driver's standings. He's 13 points behind Perez and Leclerc. That is a joke. That is a joke. That is, uh, yeah. That's a a third place. Yeah. 
when he's had consistently the third best car for, on average, a second on average, lap slower than than the, the fifteen fifteen races, he's had Facts. the third fastest car, and he's thirteen point. That that just shows how much, like you say, that consistency is is key. Because if you look at his results. Fourth, fifth, third, fourth, fifth, third, fifth, third, fourth, retired, fourth, third, third, fourth, second. I mean, every race it's... he's finished, he's been in the top five. That's yeah. Yeah. Uh, George Russell's first season in Mercedes is being absolutely slept on, in my opinion. Like, I know we all say, oh, he's consistent and stuff. He has been brilliant, and no yeah. one can take that away from him. You know, people, the fact that he's even stacking up to Hamilton in any regard in his first year of Mercedes, I know he's been part of the team for, for a while, but to step into that seat and to be. I wouldn't say faster on average than Hamilton over the course of the season, but there or thereabouts just shows what an incredible driver he is. And he's only going to get better as well. Yeah, he's, he's, there's going to be a, you know, a time where he's soaking in the pressure and getting used to fighting for wins, fighting for podiums, but he's, he's taking it like a duck to water. Yeah. Very yeah, much so. I think he'll be in top three the way it's going. I mean, it's difficult to say because we've just literally spoken about the kind of complications Mercedes might have with the tracks coming up. But then we've seen that before and they somehow still end up on the podium. So, yeah, I think I'll say now I think he'll get top three, which probably aged very badly. But Leclerc's finished fourth or lower in the championship. He had it here first. It, oh, it's going to be God. it's going to be close because you've got essentially Charles Leclerc who's driving really well, but in a Ferrari. Ferrari. Sergio Perez, who's really dropped off and driving the best car, but he's really dropping off. And then George Russell, who's driving a car that isn't the best, but are maximizing the results, and he's always maximizing the results. And it is quite fascinating, actually, that how much three very different scenarios have completely balanced out that they that those They've had completely different seasons. If you'd have, if you'd have said, sorry, Matt, cover your ears now. But if you'd have said that after Australia, that George Russell would be thirteen points behind Charles Leclerc after fifteen races, I'd have completely agree with it. To be honest, and seen it as a, a very fair prediction, Tommy. Because actually, after Australia, he George was Russell was second, second in the second championship, forty-three points behind Leclerc, and you know, yeah, it's painful. It it's is mad, really, isn't it? really painful. Good. Right, let's move on from that because that's just, yeah, pain. Uh, next question, Omar R. Pepper. After Ricardo's poor result, do you think he will go to Haas to avoid the risk of taking a sabbatical and not being called called anymore? What, just called? Just being called? As in, I'll like, call him. Called? I know you will, Katie. Of course I'm you will. I'm sure you're, you're in his DMs <laughs> already. Um, yeah, I think, um, well, we saw a video of him speaking to, was it... Checo, yeah. Checo, Checo, yeah, Checo, uh, basically saying or speaking about his options, it seemed like, and uh, one of the options he was speaking about was uh, basically taking a year off and coming back in 2024, which is an option for Danny Rick. I don't know if it's the right one. I don't know if leaving the sport entirely to then hope to come back the year after. Maybe he's got something in the in the works with a team that'll allow him to come back in 24. Finishing a season so badly as he is currently doing, I'm not, I don't think that'll put him in any uh, good books for for many teams. Unless, as I say, he's got something lined up with a team. 
but those contracts those handshakes can change very quickly especially if a new young driver uh comes up through the ranks and is a lot cheaper uh, than what Danny Rick will be I, I, for me he has to secure a seat personally I think go to Haas if that is an option just try and rebuild your reputation try and remind people that you are a brilliant driver and that you're not washed and that McLaren shouldn't define what you're what you are or who you are as a, a Formula One driver he needs to do essentially what Gasly did what Albon did and rebuild that confidence remind himself that yeah you know what well, I can be the last of the late breakers so for me I, I don't think taking a sabbatical is the right way unless for whatever reason he needs to take that for his mental health which is absolutely fine and, and to be fair probably warranted as well for the amount of bashing and and things he's he's received but only if he's got something in place for 2024 if he's just hoping for a Formula One team to pick him up because he's an eight-time F1 race winner I'm not sure that will be enough considering how McLaren has gone. I, it's sad, but I don't, I don't see where he goes now. I can't, I, li- I literally can't see a seat for him next year. So it's the only, the only thing oh, I see if you no Hassel get Giovinazzi probably. Um, again, like I just, Hassel just seems too expensive. It'd be, it'd be a surprise. I think that's his only option left. There's talk now of the, I mean, Helmut Marco's pretty much spilled the bean, beans that Gasly's <laughs> off to Alpine. Um, and well, no, no, another curveball. Can you suggest that only if Gasly's going to yeah, Alpine? Only will if Herta Al- come, yeah, only if Alpine. Yeah, Herta will come in. Um, and again, that that all things. I, I can't see. It's a shame because the way he's ended the season, it just. I don't think he'll get that opportunity. The 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 ageism, the part of his career, like a Gasly or album, where you go, oh well, we can take a chance on him because realistically, he's he's a very he's going to be a very expensive driver to take a risk on, with not a lot of longevity. Even though he proved alongside you know Sebastian Vettel at Red Bull and things like that that he is a great driver, but it's just not working for him at McLaren, and it's sad. But I just I don't. I don't see it now, personally. I'd I'd say that um, I think sabbatical, and then just hope that there's a seat somewhere. But even then, when he's been a year out, do people even think, oh, we we're going to get him back if their drives are performing? I don't know. This whole conversation, I feel like a mound of bricks has fallen on me. My like, I genuinely feel like my heart has gone really heavy of the idea of thinking that we're going to lose. Daniel Ricciardo and Sebastian Vettel at the end of this year, like two of my favorite drivers, but also two of the drivers with some of the biggest characters in the sport. Like it would just be such a monumental loss, even outside of like the fact that they're both brilliant drivers, like just using the personalities would be really, really tough. So that's a bit of a difficult pill to swallow if that actually does happen. But yeah, as time goes on, motorsport moves very quickly in terms of contracts and snapping people up um I mean Herta was obviously talked about with McLaren and now it seems like only in the last week or so he's now being talked about going to Alpha Tauri um so everything moves so quickly Ricardo was saying coming into this weekend that he's going to take some time to look at all his options but maybe a that's not a piece of paper <laughs> huh hmm, that's a lot of options <laughs> but maybe time isn't a luxury that he can afford to have I mean if he goes back to Australia, then that would be great because I know that 
well, I say I know, but like I assume that he is missing spending a lot of time with his family. Lockdown was probably extremely tough, not being able to go back, you know, for lots of European drivers with COVID. And when that all happened, they were just able to go back home and have quality time with their family. Ricardo didn't have that, that, that luxury. So maybe he does just want to go back, spend time with his niece and nephew, have some time to reset to, you know, start to feel more chirpy again because it can't have been easy this year just constantly being told that you're not good enough and then getting kicked out of your seat a year early um but yeah just the whole situation I just don't even want to think about it because it's too brutal it is brutal it's reality Um, unfortunately yeah Yeah, it is real it is it is really sad um and if we just for a second try and forget about Daniel Ricciardo's personality and what an amazing person he is if that's anyone else in that car, we're saying get yeah, out of Formula 100%. One, you're washed. Yeah. And um, you know, that's but then again, you know, we try to take into account everything and, and also what he's achieved, but still you're going where you're nowhere near Lando Norris at this point. For me, if he takes a sabbatical, I don't think he ever comes back. He'll be 34 mm. when if he wanted to come back. He's 33 now. Didn't stop Fernando like, Alonso. <laughs> didn't stop Fernando Alonso, but he's Fernando a Alonso is a two-time champion. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's clear to see from the get-go, Fernando Alonso hasn't lost any of the talent, and, and you know, Tommy fully believes that Fernando's the greatest driver to have ever lived. So uh, I, th- I don't think Danny Rick has that pull, um, but I just, yeah. yeah, he needs to take anything. Take a Williams seat if it's going. Just stay on the Formula One grid, smash your teammate, and then maybe you get back up to a, a good team. But if he leaves, I just can't see him coming back, uh, which is sad, really sad, because uh, I, I do absolutely love him to bits. And um, yeah, it's uh, it would be a massive shame. Have we actually replied to his DM yet? Have we replied to get his, yeah. th- that yeah. match? He's oh, got Katie's oh, his address now. I was yeah. going to say, yeah, well, is he going to come knock on your door? All right, cool. Do, I, do, do I get a bit of match as well? Or is that, no. is that just, uh, no? Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Wear it in the next podcast if it yeah. arrives in time. Nice, cool. Um, right, Tommy, you got the jingle? Yes. Do you want to give you some context? Do, 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 do give some context to okay, the people that went on Twitch context. about that. Uh, wait, what I've seen on TikTok. The 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 Katie thing about trying to get um, Danny Rick merchandise. Oh no, just Katie. Yeah, how Danny Ricardo knows where I live. DMing. That's it, basically. Uh, no, um, <laughs> Katie wrote a, an article um, essentially speaking about why George Russell was wearing Danny Ricardo's merch, and then Katie just very casually put in like, "Oh, I'm a size medium." If you want to, and then um, uh, Danny Rick's clearly read that uh, article because he follows us and on uh, on social, and uh, yeah, then DM'd uh, the WTF one Instagram account saying. Uh, let me know your address and we can hook you up basically. Uh, so Kate and Steven I died. Nearly yeah. died. Yeah, yeah, check out our TikTok. Cool. I put your live reaction to it because I was in the chat saying <laughs> I saw it and was like, Katie's on stream now. This would be hilarious to see her live reaction to this. <laughs> put it in the <laughs> chat. And then yeah, it was brilliant. Right. ABCDF1. Did you get a large as well, Katie? Yeah. A large and a medium for, for me and Tommy? Or... No, no. Just all the one. Oh. I don't right. know. I didn't do it. It's all in Daniel Ricardo's hands. I'm sorry. Wow. Okay. I might have to. Might have to follow up the M. Hi there. Hi there. Also, <laughs> I know just slandered you. Don't forget about me. Right. Hi. <laughs> oh, you have to say I'm about to read a message out from someone. Okay. Right. ABCDF one jingle. Hi Tom, Katie, and Matt. I absolutely love your podcast. It has many a time saved me from boredom. Here's a jingle for you. Listen and just imagine the three of you wearing shades in front of Sainz's exploded Ferrari. Wow. 
Uh, let me know Jeez. if you like it, and I'll give it a final touch. Kind regards, Jochen. You can tell this was set in for Austria, right, Karen? Yeah. Okay. Well, apart wow. from going deaf at 26, that was great. <laughs> wow. I never know how loud to play it in my phone yeah, because was... I have no concept of it. But there you go. No. It's well, quite dramatic. I, mean, I hope I your neighbours feel... enjoyed that jingle as well. Mm. I could I could feel the, the burn of the Ferrari engine, the heat from it. it smell listening it. to that. Yeah. Right. A, B, C, D, F, one time. Let's start with Hamilton. A. Yeah. A. A. Yeah. A, A. Okay, A from us and A from Thans. Uh, George Russell, A. A. He went from six to P2, which I think is quite good, and took strategy into his own hands. Which screwed Mercedes. True, but Mercedes could have just said nah. Mercedes, yeah, I mean, at that point, if you play an F1 manager, you're pausing it, aren't you? You're going right. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Hold on. What Russell wants to pit. <laughs> what do we do here? Okay. It was very split second decision. They didn't even have time to ask why Russell wanted F1 to change his tires. Split second though. True. Um, I'll I mean, go. A. Tire, it doesn't matter because we yeah. both got an A. Sorry, Katie. Yeah, cool. yeah. Your grade <laughs> doesn't matter. Uh, a from us and an A from the fans. Max was having a star. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, Katie's Katie really, really depressed. happy about that one. <laughs> I'm the I one that's supposed to say to that. <laughs> yeah. Which is every, he's just so inevitable. It's, yeah, he's going to win the next 70,000 races. Yeah, it's literally going to happen. Um, a star from us and an A star from the fans. Sergio Perez. I think he deserves a C. Yeah, mm. just. Messed up in Quali. Hasn't really been. Oh, yeah, we haven't pace. spoken about that. We spoke about conspiracy theories. People genuinely put that into. Do you see that hashtag F1XED? So fixed. Uh, this is the, the thing. Though, I brought that word he, on Twitter. That, the the thing is, though, that, that just proves that just proves that literally anything now will be. Yeah. Because that one was ridiculous. The snowed one was ridiculous. It just shows that they could just find anything now because now there's no actual reason to kind of undermine Verstappen's championship and now kind of seeing that it's inevitably going to happen you just need to find something so mm. it's amazing when you look at a whole season rather than just one race that was actually down to the FIA rather than what Verstappen did anyway to realize that he's actually deserving champion in both of the seasons he's now taken part in the where he's been winning the championship oh sass right um yeah <laughs> Perez uh I think yeah C's fair because of course he I know he made the mistake, which then led to him having an older power unit in for the race, but also he had an older power unit in for the race. So I'm kind of being like, fair enough. All right, see. Yeah, see. Yeah, okay. see. See from us and see from the fans. Charlotte Claire. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that Ferrari is just trash. We did absolutely annihilate signs. I feel like an A is fair because I think he absolutely maximized what he was doing in that Ferrari. Like he was so much quicker yeah. than signs at the start of that race. Yeah, but I mean, science did get massively mugged off. 
So no, but I mean, actually, to be fair, yeah. If I'm giving, yeah. if we're giving Hamilton, was, if actually to be slow. fair, if I'm giving Hamilton and Russell an A, then I think Leclerc does deserve an A as well. Yeah, Ferrari don't have the race pace anymore, do they? Yeah, okay. Nope. Uh, it's it's literally a running trend where they look great in the first five laps. You're like, oh, and then tire wear kicks in only six seconds off. And it's like, right. oh, yeah. here you go, Matt. Have have some optimism. Yeah, literally. But only for the first five laps. <laughs> I said to you in the watch long on, on Twitch, didn't I, Tommy? I was like, he's going to be on him until tire wear kicks in. And then lo and behold, he then fell off the cliff. Um, although this happened, did have fresh softs as well, which then uh, just stuck the old dagger in a bit more uh charles leclerc then we're going to give an a and he got a b from the fans uh carlos signs i'm gonna give him a c yeah c i'll give him a b which doesn't affect the grade anyway because ferrari just messed up his entire race and chucked him around the back and then at a track where it's struggling like it's difficult to overtake so i'll go for a b but yeah not great because he also then got the five second penalty yeah bad race for him uh, c from us and a b from the fans uh lando norris a. finished seventh a a cool a from us and then a from the fans daniel ricardo that's gonna be a solid e yeah e I'm going to go for D because he's sending me merchandise. Why? Wow, there you go. Everyone has a price. Way to my heart. <laughs> um, why did he stop five times? It was That's a four. great bloody question. Was it four? It was four and then the one time they went through the pits, I think, counted as a pit oh, stop because okay. technically it triggered it. But still, um, the they just... Don't get me wrong. He was very bad. Um, but it seemed... They would just pit him just to make sure that he would never be ever above seventeenth in the race. <laughs> oh, we're looking promising. Quick pit stop. And... Well, he, he never looked promising, yeah. but it was just the fact yeah. that you, you, you're still not going to get anywhere. You're still compromising your race massively, and I don't really understand why he was pit four times. What what strategy that was, but whatever. Yeah, this is Zach Brown's yeah. strategy. Anyway, it's the you're you're leaving the team strategy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, E from us and an E from the fans. Fernando Alonso, A. I'm going A star for Fernando Alonso. Oh, it's a. tempting. A star. A. Yeah. To be honest, I, don't, you, baby. I, I don't need I don't need convincing to Fernando Alonso an A star. <laughs> um yeah, to be fair, how on earth has he finished six? Yeah, A star. God, yeah, fair enough. Uh, a star from us and an A from the fans. Esteban Ocon. Bestie, bestie. B. B. Well, if he's getting an A star, Ocon finished ninth. Ninth. Mm, yeah. B. Yeah, B. Yeah, I'll go for a B as well. Okay, B from us and a B from the fans. Pierre Gasly finished 11th, just outside the points. Um... Anonymous again. I'm going to go C because yeah, Yuki C. was quicker than him in quality as well. I'm not yeah, keeping quality into this, but yeah, yeah, this was sometimes a deciding factor, isn't it? Uh, C, C, yeah. yeah, okay, C from us and a C from the fans. Yuki Sonoda, I know some people a star giving him an F, and some people are <laughs> giving him an A star, yeah. So let's uh average that out and give him a C. <laughs> I'm gonna go B. 12th, I'm gonna go B because he'd have beaten Gasly, yeah, would he? 
Yeah, he had a Gasly before he was. Oh, was I thought they points. were eleventh and twelfth, and that Sonoda was twelfth and Gasly was eleventh when when he stopped on track. No, but was that because not he did a pit stop? Did that pit stop not get affected into it? Potentially, don't know. I thought he was ahead personally. And He's I think been he quicker. Was he was quicker, quicker than Pierre all weekend. So, mm. yeah, putting in a few cheeky like P two things in quality. So yeah, P two things. Two things, yeah. Let's go for a B. Okay, B from us and a C from the fans. Uh, Vettel, Sebastian Vettel, fourteenth, doesn't have mirrors. D. That's fine. This moment, yeah. Mm. I know it's probably down to a communication error from the team. Yeah, but also D. use your mirrors. And the flags that are waving everywhere, and the boards and everything else. Yeah, when you come you up the pits as well, you're looking in your mirrors. Aren't Shocking you, anyway? quality as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Him, he and, didn't qualify, didn't him he? and Ricardo yeah. both got caught out by Lance Stroll going over and kicking a load of dust up. That was the excuse they used. Yeah. Because he was quick. He was quick in. Oh, was it Seb that was quickest in first sector? I think both Aston Martin sort of like. Yeah, he was looking all right. Yeah, they were looking quite speedy. Yeah. They were looking good in in practice, I think, as well. But yeah, I got unfortunately some still binned it. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a D. I'll go for a D, yeah. Okay, D from us and a D from the fans. Lance Stroll loves the 10th place. Apparently that's the only place he's finished in the points this whole year is 10th. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, don't quote good. me on that, but I think I had that in commentary. Uh, yeah, I think that's a B. A B, yeah. B? Yeah, B from us and a B from the fans. Nicholas TV F, next. Yeah, pretty shocking. Oh, God. There are three yeah, things. Is he even going to last, last the season? That's right. Yeah, because might as well just... no one else really lined up, is there? No. Nick Nick DeVries, pop him in there. See how it gets on. People genuinely he believe might... that DeVries he... is going to be in that car next I know. year. I he, might as well have... he might as well have been in the car the amount of times they've shown him on the TV this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sure. I'm Somebody's sure either they... been tipped off or I don't know. loyalty. In love with yeah. him, I think. Um, yeah, that's true, he's Dutch. Yeah, it's going to have to be an F for me. Let's see if he was just, yeah, just shockingly bad. Apparently he had a problem in qualifying, but I mean, you know, how much of a problem was it actually? And then he was just last for the entire race. Like, I, mean, I think it's, at one point, Danny Rick looked in his mirror, saw Latifi and was like, oh no, this is, yeah, this is, bad. This is not oh, going well. Truly washed. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to have to be an F, unfortunately, for Latifi. Uh, F from us and an F from the fans. Uh, Alex Albon, P12. B. Yeah, it's a B. Yeah, I think it'd be. <laughs> I'm just You're right, Katie. You, you <laughs> no, I'm just trying to. No, I'm just trying to decide. Yeah. You're still upset about Ricardo's grade, aren't you? No, you're still thinking about the DM. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> you're wondering, will he actually deliver it himself? No, I know he won't. Let's see if it's seen. <laughs> Genuinely <laughs> no, angry about that. No, no, he won't. No, it's fine. Um, it's not been yeah, read yet. Be. Sorry, Katie, it's not been read yet. <gasps> Oh, God. Three days we've been Quick. waiting. Oh, that means I can I've follow been, up my address as well. I've been ghosted <laughs> by Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, B from us TV. and a B from the fans. Uh, Valtteri Bottas stopped on track. Conspiracy F. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a C. Man has the worst luck. Alpha just has the Alpha's worst car. Dreadful car. Like, yeah. Literally can't even. What you get for putting ever. a Ferrari power unit in the back of your car? Um, yeah, I'll go C. Yeah, horrendous car. C, C from us, C from the fans. I think the same for Joe Guan Yu, C. Yeah. Didn't really see much of him this weekend, to be honest. No, didn't see. C. C. <laughs> Great social C. pace with the pigeons, eh? Yeah, oh, but, yeah. A star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. C. 
Yep. Oh, yeah, and he beat he beat Bottas in qualifying as well. So see from us and see from Tats. But it's still a good thing, yeah. <laughs> he did, to be fair. Bottas is the king of qualifying, apparently. Uh, Kevin Magnussen binned it, ruined his mm. race. E. E. Yeah, Ooh, e. yeah, I like the way you said that, Tommy. Big, big, big E's. Big E's. <laughs> uh, yeah, E from Can us. Can you just D from the calm course. down? I know. Like lap one, even when it's single file through Zanvoy, he's like, nope, yeet time. Let's go. Lap two, straight into the wall. Big mistake. That's something you do in like an F1 game lobby, not not in, in real Formula One. An unforced error. Don't get uh, me wrong. Magnuson. He's 100% the kind of driver I like because he's like entertaining and a bit chaotic. A bit Maldonado-esque. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you, your head says calm down. My heart says just keep keeping UK mag because... It's one day it'll pay yeah. off entertainment yeah you'll win a race but he's the experienced driver isn't he that should mm. be a bit more not thrown off the road I mean, how he it's carried on example. by the way as well how his oh, car was yeah. okay to carry on uh was was quite miraculous uh so e from us and a d from the fans and finally mick schumacher finished 13th was looking so good but then he had what a slow pit stop. doing with, with him in general massively slow pit stop um, I am still. Hmm, I feel like has screwed him. I feel like uh, has screwed yeah, him. Me too. I want to give him a B. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, he was running in the points yeah. until that. And that did some lovely 10. battling with um, Vettel as well during the race. That, that was a lovely oh, battle, was... actually. Yeah. Right. Saucy. Saucy. So yeah, B. I think. Okay, B from us and a C from the fans. Zandvoort predictions. I went for flare controversy, which I shouldn't be celebrating because it was terrible. You're idiots if you threw a flare on the track. But yes, big flare controversy. Not the controversy I expected nor hoped for. Well, to be fair, I didn't hope for any flare controversy, but I thought there would be anyway. Uh, despite the fact there was a big sign that said no flares, hand them in. And surprisingly, everyone just miraculously found a flare under their seat at the end of the race, which I don't, I don't have much of a problem with, to be honest. Not the, the races, end. But, yeah, the end of the race um, is fine. But... Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, the qualifying thing was just absolutely ridiculous. And you know, just to reiterate what we've said in the quality podcast that we uh, did on audio platforms and live on Twitch, follow us, WTF One Official, uh, is that it was ridiculous. And I hope those people are never allowed in a Formula One circuit ever again. So yes, one point for me for that, and Leclerc wins. And shout out to the fans that absolutely pelted them in beer. By the way. Mm. and uh, made and sure that they out. and pointed yeah. them out so the security knew that they were the one that lobbed it and could be Brilliant. arrested. I mean, like what did they, they expect, by the way? Throwing a flare onto the track is obviously going to cause a red flag and you're obviously going to be the centre of attention because everyone around you in a grandstand is going we'll to see you yeet yeah. an orange flare onto the track. Like, yeah, they deserved what they uh, what they got. So, yeah, Katie. So I went ambitiously for Alfa Romeo into Q3. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, really, really badly. Uh, and then also only one Red Bull to finish the race. How'd that go? Also really badly, funny <laughs> enough. It turns out when I don't do really easy predictions, they don't come true. Who would have thought? Wow. Tommy. The clear pole. Half a point. Missed out by not point. No. Good, okay. good joke. And Norris, that's the rest, which he wasn't qualifying. So <laughs> yeah. I think that's fair. You were vague. It was best oh, of the rest. He was, was best vague. of the rest. Uh, and technically his know, pace was best of the rest as we well. We all know that best of the rest meant whoever finishes behind Red Bull, Ferrari and Mercedes. Well, are. best of the rest. Yeah. What did the chat say? To be in, fair, he's best of the rest um, in the race as well, if you don't count Alonso, if who is literally who is the best. Another c- so, technically, he's not. He, I think he's at least a, top, a half point. Yeah. No, 
We all know that is him finishing behind but Ferrari, Mercedes, and Red Tommy Bull. was vague. He found the loophole. Katie, what are you? What are you? The, the Tommy fan club. He's not going to give you the Danny Rick merch, okay? He can't. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think that's a half point. I'm still that is that. an absolute Thanks, disgrace. We all, look at Tommy's little smirk. He knows exactly what he's doing here. You're scum. The clerk scumbag. wins our hearts. Half a point for Matt. <laughs> okay, all right. Now I'll have half a point. Okay, Le- Leclerc wins. Yeah, Leclerc wins anything at any point during the season. You know what I mean? He's won a race this year, surprisingly. Um, okay, whatever. If you're going to take the, the most measly half a point ever, and if that decides the, the championship at the end of the season, then we will be returning to that. Uh, fans, Connor McG, 1988-9884. At least one Ferrari to DNF. No. Matt Seven Handley, Hamilton win. No. Josh WG2, Verstappen Grand Slam. No. You say one Ferrari to DNF. No. Could that be Ferrari powered car today? <laughs> right, really oh, I'm, I'm joking. Point. I'm literally no, joking. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm sorry, Connor. I tried. Yeah, you did try. Um, fair play. Um, Verstappen, yeah, Grand Slam. No. Did he not? No, did he get, didn't, he, didn't lead every lap, did he? Uh, oh, true. Yeah. Is Grand Slam the same as Grand Chelem? Oh, no, maybe not. Or are they different? Is Grand Slam the same as win? Oh, did he? Yeah. I thought uh, Max got. Oh, no, did Max get past this lap? But I don't think it was a Grand Slam because he didn't lead every lap. Is that what you have to do? Yeah, you got to leave every lap start to finish. Is Grand finish. Slam and Grand Slam different? I don't know. No, the same, same thing. The same thing, just a different. One just sounds posher. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, so didn't leave it. No, didn't leave every lap. Right, Monza predictions. Ferrari. Uh, so for me, Ferrari undoubtedly have an F up. Whatever that may be, it could well be the fact that they, <laughs> so they exist. They they just you know rock up on Friday and. Don't go out for 10 minutes in FP, whatever. You know, Carlos Sainz forgets to tie his shoelaces or something. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Mercedes do not finish in the top four. I've gone for a new podium finisher this season because Monza always seems to chuck up a random podium finisher. And then Bottas... Who could that be? Please be right, Katie. I'm not going to say. No, 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 but who could that be? Who is... Alonso. It it would have to be... (gasps) Oh, Magic Alonso. Yeah, that'd be good. Alpine, Alpine should be good, I think. But we'll you still just need lots of the top guys to retire, basically. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. And then I've gone for Bottas back in the points. You really are I've an got... Alfa Romeo cheerleader at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, you're like Alfa in Q3, no chance now. You're, you're... Come on, Bottas. Last year, go. I know he was driving a Mercedes, but Bottas was absolute fire. So I'm hoping that he's kept that spirit and he's going to be good and back in the points. Okay. Tommy. Alonso, top five. In quali, oh, thanks for and Alban in the points in the race. Thank you, thank you. Just to just clarify, oh, the way you're saying that, you know, you know that you are onto some dodgy things. Uh, for that, that you don't correct her at the time, then well, because I had faith in you, uh, fans. Heno underscore CNS, at least three engine penalties. Bernard Spiteri, Ferrari one, two, obviously, and Thomas Bunink. No points for Alpha Tauri. I mean, that's going to be a point pretty much straight away, I think, with how they, uh, they've been going recently. Well, isn't that lovely? The end of the Dutch GP podcast. Tommy, final thoughts? Yeah. Final thoughts. I was always going to drop you in that after oh, your no. prediction shenanigans. My final thoughts are shout out to Here Sebastian Montoya, who got points in both uh, his F3 debut. And when I'm bored of Verstappen dominance, I will, and hopefully he gets into Formula One and he will be my favorite driver. <laughs> there you go. Wow. 
stated your allegiance straight away. Yeah, I'll be there Katie, in the Columbia Cape. <laughs> what's your final thoughts? And is it about Danny Ricardo? It's not. My final thoughts is I think F1 have to start seriously considering security going into events after what happened with the flares. Because I know like there was meant to be like 120,000 people going into the Grand Prix this weekend in Zambort. And this isn't just a Zambort blame game because it was the same in Silverstone. It's been the same in lots of places. But I feel like F1 is growing in popularity that we need to up some of the security going into the circuits of allowing flares, allowing whatever it may be, protest equipment for Silverstone, for example. It's tricky. Like I was looking at the capacity for things like Wembley Arena, for example, that hosts 90,000 people and there's an extra, you know, 40,000 sometimes at race events. But I just feel like to make places a bit of a safer thing, I know people are going to say I'm boring and I must be so fun at parties and all this rubbish, but I feel like the security needs to take a step up maybe for next year. So there, that's my final thought. That's a fair point. If you look at... If you look at the last few races, you've had Silverstone, a track invasion. Austria, you heard all those awful things that were happening. Hungary, you've heard some terrible things that are happening. And then in some point, you had flares on the track. That's, yeah. Not yeah, four of the I think it's going to have to be a, a big rework with the infrastructure of the circuits as well, because it doesn't really allow for searching and things like that. You know, you look at the Wembleys of this world and, you know, the scanners that they have, it would take a big financial investment, wouldn't it? To, to be able to, to sort that out. And they'd need to make sure that there's enough uh, to not cause massive backlogs of, of fans trying to get into the track, because, you know, on the other side, it's going to cause a massive sort of uh, choke point when, when trying to get into to a Grand Prix. So, yeah, hundred percent agree that there needs to be a, a ramp up in security and also, um, yeah, the infrastructure of the circuits. There need to be an investment there, but I don't know. I think it's going to, unfortunately, there's going to be something that go that that happens that goes badly, and then they'll be like, right, yeah, let's ramp up the security. But I feel like at this point, they don't think anything particularly bad's gone on. So they just put a sign up saying, "Don't light a flare." That's not going to do anything. Yeah, like please hand them in. They need to do like bag checks or something, or like yeah. hand a flare in, and in exchange, you get. A 20 euro, yeah, like drink voucher or something. 20 euros. Everyone will be bringing flares to the track. (laughs) Everyone just brings a a bucket of flares. Yeah, this pays for my grandstand. (laughs) Like, have a reward for like handing in. Incentivizing people to bring flares to the track. (laughs) I've completely undone my final thoughts, but like having some sort of incentive for like, you've got a flare in. And it should be there. Because otherwise, people are never gonna, people are never gonna hand their flares in, or just do bag checks at the gates. I know F1 circuits are big enough that there's, it's not like you've just got one door and you have to do a bag check for a hundred thousand people. It's split up enough. Like when we went to Silverstone this year, there was enough time for somebody to have been, a few people stood there to go through bags or whatever it may be. Like it's possible. Yeah. literally seen it firsthand and this day and age i think you just need scanners or something it's like rather than people. people going it's through bags and you know uh, in my experience of people going through bags and stuff no one really ever checks that deep do they let's be real they all just go like that football meme where they yeah. don't, that doesn't even touch <laughs> yeah, you and just yeah. three you go sort of thing uh, anyway well that was a long final thought and my final thought is i'm looking forward to no it's not i'm not doing it is that what is that I'm, like? I'm surprised <laughs> i'm, I'm surprised you didn't to. say i'm looking forward to I'm i tried proud of you. i really tried uh, mine is can't wait for monza I don't know whether to be excited or afraid of what Ferrari could possibly achieve at their home race. Um, 
I'm very sad I'm not going to be there because I'd love to experience Monza one day. Never been, uh, apart from arriving with Tommy in a DHL van a few days before the, the race <laughs> and then coming back home. Uh, but yeah, never experienced Monza, but I'd love to love to go at some point, uh, maybe next year, fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, we will see you very soon uh, for our WTF1 watch-alongs, which of course, once again, we'll be back on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. WTF1 official, go follow us over on there. And of course, we'll have other podcasts coming out. Follow us on all audio platforms if you listening to us love your stuff uh, yeah great don't know what i'm saying anymore uh hashtag wtf1 podcast if you want to get involved in the discussion and also we've got an app go f- go download the wtf1 app right now it's free all right it's free as free can be okay so go and download it and uh that's probably all the call to actions i can remember so see you very soon take care adios bye-bye bye thanks team wtf1 for watching thank live. you Thank, Thank you. you for watching live, Team WTF1.